Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. And I have an, an amazing show today. You know, I'm calling it the Legacy Series, the Legacy Video with Mr. Wynn Weber. And let me tell you, Mr. Wynn Weber is an amazing person. You know, I had a chance to interview Wynn about a month or two ago about what he's doing at WWA. Wynn has gained a worldwide reputation as really one of the original architects of category management. And he's an expert really in translating the principles of category management from theory to practical application in the food space. He's a worldwide leader. Everybody in that space knows who he is. I invite you to go back and watch Wynn's interview with me that we've had in the past talking about WWA, what he's doing as a management consultant, and how powerful his organization is. And as we were having our interview the last time, it dawned on me that Wynn has so much great knowledge and such great experience that I wanted to do another interview with him and call it Winning with Wynn. And what we're going to do in this interview is we're going to uncover and investigate Wynn's life a little bit. We're going to talk about the things that made him successful, the things that he learned from, and he's going to impart some knowledge on us today that I think is going to be very valuable for everyone watching the show. So without further ado, Wynn, welcome to the show today. Well, thank you very kindly. It's always a pleasure of meeting with you. And uh, as I've told people on the outside, there's no one who I would more enjoy talking with than you. I love it. When I'm going to take my glasses off right now and settle in because there's so much to learn from you. So just let's get started when, you know, when you started your company, you know, you, you had this idea to build a worldwide leading company. You've done such a great job. You have so many satisfied clients. You're a go-to person in the industry. Anybody that's in the food space knows who you are. You're really a household name. So when you started your company, when you know, what was the single most important thought that you had early on to build this great company that you've been able to build? Well, simply stated, I wanted to go out to where I could greater influence industry and companies. I was brought up in the consumer packaged goods industry. And I won't name all the companies right now, but I grew quite quickly. But I had one experience that opened my eyes. And it was when I was senior vice president of Atari. And when I went to Atari, I realized 
that my life with the major corporations was like I was looking through a channel. And Atari just opened my eyes to the fact that there's a whole different life out there than the more disciplined Procter Gamble's, Colgate Palmolive's, and so forth. And it really brought to me the attention that there's so much out there that you can pursue and learn from. And it was that experience, then followed by going back in the industry for a while, that said to me, it's time to leave being working for a major corporation, to go out and be yourself, be your mind, and help companies grow and help people grow. And uh, it's something I never regret. It's, a, it's, it's frankly very rewarding as, as I move forward. As you I can see, I've decided not to quit. That's great, Wynn. So listen, you know, in our, in our last interview, when you mentioned how old you are, I would never ask, but since you already mentioned it, and it's something to be very proud of, why don't you tell the viewers how old you are on this Winning with Wind episode, and, and tell us a little bit about this, this medical journey that you've had briefly, and why that's so important when you think about your life and think about getting up in the morning to give the best that you can for your clients and for your family. Well, first of all, I'm a very young, 81 years old. And uh, in 1962, uh, I went to the doctor. I had some heart palpitations. My, the doctor called my wife and I in and said, Mr. Weber, you need a new heart. Well, needless to say, that was uh, quite a shock to myself. And... Uh, I had to wait three years for the heart until 1965. But waiting for those three years, they told me I couldn't travel. And I'm saying to myself, wait a second. I'm in a business where I have to travel. So we reached agreement that I could travel two days a month. As long as I was back in Tampa, calling in before five o'clock in the afternoon. So I adjusted some things with the company and lasted almost three years. And then in 1965, in April, at 1.23 in the morning, I got a phone call and they said, Mr. Weber, we have a heart for you. So I uh, told my wife, I drove her to the airport <laughs> or to the hospital and went down to Tampa General. And that morning, I had a heart. So with a new heart, I called my team the next morning. Of course, I took my computer to the hospital and told them I was back in business. And that, sorry, but I was back. They're going to have to work a little harder again. Well, listen, that's incredible, Win, And there you are. You kept going. And, of course, everybody knows who knows you. You love to travel. You're a worldwide traveler. You have millions and millions of miles under your belt. You've got more frequent flyer miles than anybody combined. Let's talk about Win Weber as a young man. Let's talk about, you know, when you were 
you know, in your 20s and you were, you know, in your late teens. And if you could talk to yourself when back when you were in your 20s, what would you say to yourself when you were in your 20s now that you're you're 81 years old? Well, that's a very good question. When I was in my 20s, I was in college at Syracuse University. And in those years, I was more interested in anything but grades. I was more interested in people and more interested in being an officer in my fraternity and more interested in organizational planning, things of that nature. And I would work just hard enough on my courses to make sure I passed and everything, and everything was acceptable. And uh, that was an interesting experience in itself. And then I had one professor, who I won't name, who never agreed with me politically. So he would always give me Fs. So I went to the chance to the uh, dean of the college, and he had grade my, grade my grades as A all the time. But I learned something there. And that is, I keep politics out of my life in terms of business. You know, I, I'm dealing more with people today. And I want to deal with good minds. And I want to focus like with young people. I want to help young people learn how to facilitate and grow within complex organizations where there's always individual politics or whatever it may be, or different ways where there are bosses who want to run their own show and so on and so forth. And I want to help guys who were in the later stages of their lives by being very honest with them and sharing with them how to try to succeed. Because it's, it's very interesting. I was on the board for 15 years for the Board of Arts and Sciences at Syracuse University. And there was one thing that I wish that I had gotten through and I never did. And that is the universities, once a kid gets a job, he's not being trained how to interface in group meetings with his first meetings in those companies. What should he say? How can he express myself without alienating people? And it's a very important learning because that's a key to the organization seeing what type of individual was hired. So that was, when I was in college, you know, I was, uh, I was vice president of our fraternity. I was, I was actually the campaign manager for who became president of the, of the, the class in, in the final year. Uh, I, I was always trying to learn, change, manage change during that era. I so love it. Few, wow. Just a few stories. What a great, what a great story that is. You know, you would, 
you would look back and certainly tell yourself as a younger person to, you know, keep politics out of, you know, discussions if you can. And, and, and with regard to that professor that gave you F's because he didn't agree with your political viewpoint, then you took it to the next higher up. And of course you got, I'm sure straight A's. Now, when you were at the fraternity, when, what types of things did you learn about an organization that you've been able to use throughout your career you know, in building this amazing company and through your career with the, you know, Fortune 100 and 500 companies that you worked at, what did you learn from being at the fraternity as a young man that you've been able to transfer across throughout the years in your life? Well, that was my first experience where we had all young people in our freshman class from different states, different backgrounds, different educations, and so forth. And I learned very quickly that you have to get and learn how to interface with a broad cross-section of people and learn how to accept their thinking, accept their thinking and learn how to work with them and hopefully motivate them, which is critically important. Then as we got into the universe, into the fraternity, and we're dealing with seniors with their points of view. We're dealing with seniors with their points of view. We're dealing with juniors with their points of view. We're dealing with some who are upset with their professors and et cetera, et cetera. That was really the key to learning how to, from my vantage point, deal with people. I think it was critically important to deal with diverse groups at that point in time. And that's what led me to start assuming leadership roles, because I thought those leadership roles were extremely important. And then when I got into the, uh, for my supporting of the president of the, of the class, I was interfacing across the whole campus with people, trying to motivate them to my way of thinking, which was with Jack's way of thinking. And that to me was just the first step on the people side of the business with me. And the really realization that I really had to deal through highly diversified. And that's what led me when I was on uh, the the university chair, where I, frankly, as chair, was not easy because I developed very clear disciplines that everyone must adhere to. I wanted to optimize the thought processes of the group, which was 30-some people. And again, I just carrying the university piece to the, to the fullest. I love it when it makes all the sense in the world. It's so interesting. You know, when I, when I was thinking and preparing about winning with, with win, you know, this, this second interview, and I was just so excited to get on the Zoom call with you because our first interview was so amazing. And again, the people watching the show, go back and watch Win's first interview. We really get into what he was doing, what he is doing at WWA. He's so busy right now. He's, you know, you you're 81 years old and it's like you're 21 years old. I mean, it's amazing. When we think about your name, though, this is what I wanted to ask you, Win. You know, you've had this name, Win Weber. So as you're 
going through your life with a name like Win, does that give you an added incentive to always do the best that you can? I mean, I would imagine that it did, right? Well, I better not screw up. <laughs> I guess that's the way to look at it. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, just the name, it's Winston, but Win is what it, I've referred to. And yes, it appears to be an added draw to people who, when they want to talk and connect with me. Absolutely. And it is true. Uh, from my vantage point, I look at winning whatever I do. And it's a non-negotiable, whether it's business, whether it's sports, whether it's arguing with people, whatever it may be, I'm going to express my point of view <laughs> and try to win with it. I love it. It's so remarkable. And what, what you just said is really pure gold. I mean, I'm going to call it gold in a box. I mean, winning for you is non-negotiable. And you approach everything in your life that way. Let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. You know, different people, different types of entrepreneurs get up in the morning for different reasons. What's the reason why Win Weber gets up in the morning? What gets you out of that bed and going and getting on that airplane and going around the world and meeting with your clients? What's the thing that drives you uh, with regard to I, that? I, I, love, I love my industry. I love my position as a consultant helping companies within the industry grow. I love success. And that motivates me every day to get up and go. I love I it. Usually, I usually go to six at night before I quit. And usually I have a few weekends when I'm doing some things. So remarkable what you've been able to uh, attain throughout your life. You know, you started, you know, as a young man, you went to school, you worked, you know, you were, you were in the fraternity, you, you, you were able to climb the ladder, you know, you were a great student, you worked for so many great companies and you learned what it was like to really take care of your customers. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the way you were raised when, because, you know, did your, when you were being raised as a young boy, were there certain messages that were continuing to come across to you as a young boy that sort of um, made you who you were as an adult? What types of messaging was coming across from your family to you as a young boy that made you, you know, the type of responsible, intelligent, educated person that you are today and the man that you've become? My father was a very hardworking accountant, worked extremely hard was very successful. My mother contributed to local hospitals, local organizations, uh, the Alumni Association of Syracuse. They were always contributing and always working. And then we had a hiccup. My dad died of a heart attack when he was, I was only 12 years old and he was 46. So now I'm having to learn how to manage my life a little different at that age. 
But again, it put more of a business perspective on me at an early age and a responsibility at an early age. And uh, so that's how the, the families were, were worked out, really. And then uh, I went ahead and went to Syracuse, which was my family were both alums of Syracuse. And uh, from there, I had a great responsibility to demonstrate that I was as good as my predecessors. And therefore, I made sure of that. And that's what got me to where I am today. Uh, there are other things, too, just to think about. I played basketball throughout high school. And uh, I, again, was very competitive. I didn't mind arguing with coaches if they told me one thing and I told them another thing. Uh, but again, I loved the competition of, of basketball, loved getting out of the court with a full stadium, loved taking long shots and sinking them, loved being a gunner, I guess is the way to look at it. <laughs> and uh, that was very important to me as, as well. I had a basketball rim and everything sitting in our backyard. So I had a regular court back there. And sport, sports was very important to me. I love it when, you know, I speak to so many successful entrepreneurs and founders throughout the world. And I do hear that quite often that many of them have a sports background and whether it's an individual sport or a team sport or whether they were on the debate team or or on the chess team or something like that when they were in high school or even junior high school or elementary school, you know, certainly those types of things really can help mold somebody. So, you know, let's talk about this just for a minute. You were a gunner. I love that. You like the outside shot. That's awesome. Uh, back then, I don't know if they had the three-point shot going like they do now, but when you think about your basketball playing, you think about being on a team, is that sort of the same type of team approach that you bring to your business at WWA? Everybody works collaboratively. Everybody has to be on the same page. You have to have a game plan. You have to execute that game plan. Is it the same in business as it was as a young basketball player? Yes. And just to give you some competition, I went to Syracuse. I did not play ball at Syracuse because I was concerned about too much time. But I played actually basketball every two days with members of the football team and basketball team. My closest friend at Syracuse was Ernie Davis, who got a Heisman Trophy. And I played basketball against Ernie every day, and I bounced off Ernie every day. But I was competing against people who were better than me. And I was learning from them what I could and what I couldn't do. And then when I think about sports, and I think of sports today, and my involvement today uh, with Syracuse University, for example, with uh, their athletic director. In fact, in four weeks, I'll be going to Syracuse and sitting with this athletic director in the box at the Syracuse Clemson game. I donate there. Why? Because it's sports. And when I'm there, I'm meeting with ex-heroes of sports and so forth. But again, I'm interfacing. What's going on with uh, college sports? 
what are the issues today? And I, I get news that is not just in the newspaper. So I'm learning, and I'm learning about from people that are doing different things, different industries. And to me, the more I can learn from others outside of the industry I am in, the more I can bring newness to the industry I'm in. And so it all comes together, competition, interaction, collaboration. It's all part of the game. I I love it. I love it too, Wynn. And I have to tell you, there's going to be a lot of people watching the show that are going to that are going to want to change their name to Win because you're very inspirational and you're going to go to the box, the big Syracuse game coming up. And you love interacting with people, that you love the interaction. You love the mental and spiritual and emotional interaction that you have. You like to learn from people. You're not afraid to have a little debate if you need to, you know on an occasion, but certainly it all kind of gels into a beautiful, nice, neat bow. You know, we spoke about your life. We talked about, you know, playing basketball and high school and what happened at Syracuse and your, you know, your, your journey a bit. But I know that, you know, you've got your sights set on the future and it's remarkable. Here you are 81 years old. You're still the chairman, the CEO of WWA. You know, you've got this worldwide reputation of one of the original architects of category management in your space. It's really remarkable what your company does. You've traveled all over the world. I want to talk to you about travel a little bit because I know you've been in a lot of places. Is there in your future, you know, whether it's, you know, this week or 10 years from now or whenever it's going to be, is there an area or a part of the world that you still want to travel to and check out and have those great interactions with those people in that part of the world? That's a good question. One decision I made early in life, and I recommend it to everyone, start traveling early and seeing the world early. Very important, because the dynamics of the world have changed so. And my wife and I have been just about everywhere. But uh, looking ahead and thinking about where we're coming out of uh, COVID today, there are a lot of issues. I love Latin America. Right now, Latin America is really being hit with COVID. And then we've got Venezuela impacting Colombia. I've got the issue in, in Mexico. And while I want to be in Colombia, working in Colombia right now, I can, or in South America, I can't necessarily argue with that. So then I take a step back, and I think there's a lot more I could be doing in Europe on business right now. I definitely want to return to Australia because uh, there's a lot that can be done there. Uh, Canada, I'm targeting Canada more right now, as a matter of fact. And frankly, I think I've got to spend more time in the U.S. because there are a lot of key things right now coming out of uh, the COVID and the fact that we're dealing with so many new realities with digital connectedness five years or plus ahead of the times with all the new technologies that are out here, with the fact that we have got an industry or industries that are working with new technologies, huge people problems right now, huge cost problems right now. 
as I'm starting to look at things, the challenge right I, I have in the U.S. may be greater than it's been to me over the last 10 to 15 years. And as I look at it right now, there's a lot that could be done. Every company that is investing heavily in technology, and I look at our, our business with supermarkets and uh, mass merchants, chain drugs, but it goes deeper into pet stores, any type of store. But the bottom line is there's certain technologies out there. They have to invest in today. They've got people costs. Right now, they're all getting hit with people costs. Now, when you put new technologies in, you've got to be able to change the skill set of an organization to support those technologies. You've got to be able to restructure that organization and build new business processes in. Right now, that is a huge weakness within the industry we're in and within other industries. And we better address it now. And so, as you say, where would I like to travel? Well, I've been to most places. My favorite is Italy. I love the UK. Okay, I love Brazil and Colombia. I love, I love a lot of places. But I'm looking at my reality right now, and it may be sitting right here. I love it. It's so interesting because you're just looking at what's happening here in the United States. You're looking at the supply chain. You're looking at things in your industry and you're saying to yourself, you know, there's so many places I can go, but maybe my expertise and my knowledge and my, my, my background would be best utilized and served spending time in America to make sure that America's future is as bright as, as the past was. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And that's interesting. It's See, in teams of dealing with American companies, I will possibly, first of all, interface with the executive vice president. Before we will provide any proposal to a company, I request that we meet with the chairman, president, and the senior executives of every department and division. I do that for a simple reason. Change requires commitment and involvement across an entire company and down through that company. If I don't meet for two hours with this entire group and get them on board to what we want to do, it'll never be effectively implemented. And that is a challenge today, a huge challenge, because there's a tendency to challenge companies to isolate, departmentalize, and so forth. And I think that's a key issue with corporations today. Change requires change driven across and down from the top. And that's critical. And no one can negotiate. When that's so interesting, because if we think about your, your experience playing basketball and your team sport experience, it's the same thing. I mean, if, if the coach can't get everybody on that team from the starter, who's the superstar, the center to you, who are the gunner, you know, the outside shooter, <laughs> to everybody going down on the team, even to the last guy on the roster. I mean, 
the coach has to get that last guy on the roster to understand he needs to practice hard, you know, every day. So it seems like you're saying it's the same thing in the corporate world as well. You want the complete top-down management to the people on the ground floor all committed to the same goal. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Have to. Now, that makes great sense. Now, I know from our last interview, when I know I'm keeping you over, but again, I, I know I could talk to you for five hours here. There's just so much to go over with you, and you're fascinating. One thing you love to do is you love to read. And I know you're an avid reader. You're, you're, you have a voracious appetite for the written word. For the younger people, you know, sometimes they think they don't need to read much. They think they know it all. How important is reading to the entrepreneurs and to the people that are watching the show to stay abreast on what's happening? And do you only read about your industry or do you read about everything else so it gives you a good, complete sort of universal look at the world? I read a broad range of business magazines. I want to understand what's going on in the business world. I also read magazines that have different political points of view because I want to stay about as close as I can to the thinking of what's going on in the world. It's critically important. And I also selectively will read a book. Now, I'll give you just an example. I heard today, Kelly McEnany. Kelly was uh, Trump's uh, press secretary. Well, I, before she was Trump's press secretary, a couple of years before, I flew from Tampa to Washington. She was my seatmate. And this young lady was the sharpest lady I had ever met in my life. Incredible. And I sent her an email uh, telling her so. But we were unable to stay connected because her emails changed quickly. At that time, she was not working with Trump. And so I've been observed her progress as we, she'd gone. Today, she announced she has her own book. I told my wife, buy that book because she's an impressive young lady. And so I, t I will pick spots with people where I'm very interested in those minds. That's just, that's just an example. I um, love yeah. it, Wynn. I love it. And maybe you're in the book. Maybe she says, hey, she met this great guy named Wynn on a flight, and she'll never forget it. Maybe you're in the book. Let's, let's Well, uh, you want, want me to give you a good laugh? I do. But if she was, if she was next to me, we got rough weather. And we were both holding our drinks. And her, her hand went up with a drink. I took her hand, put my hand on her arm, and put her hand down next to me and said, Kaylee, in the future, and it's rough, always put your drink down. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Lynn. That's a great story. Okay, now I know I've kept you over, but I, I just have one more question for you. You know, one thing that's very apparent, when is it's easy to talk to you. And, and you are able to open up conversations all throughout the world with various people because you have such a passion for being interested in other people and interested in learning from other people. I mean, it's this remarkable approach that you have with people. What's the best way to open up a conversation with a complete stranger? I mean, you sat down next to Kaylee, you're on the flight. 
How do you open that conversation up? There's a lot of people that, you know, freeze in the frame when they're next to somebody and they don't know how to get that conversation going. Is there a win, winning with win secret on how to get that conversation going so you can start having great communication with people? It depends on who you're talking to. I view myself as equal to everybody, no matter what their level. Whenever we go out to dinner, the first thing I ask the waiter or waitress, tell me about yourself. And are you from Tampa? Did you go to college or did you go to college? What are your good careers and goals in life? How long have you worked here? And I get into a, a long conversation with them to get to know them. It's critically important. And then they're conversing back. And that's just uh, that side of the equation. Uh, when I talk to anybody in, in business today, the first thing I will say is, uh, I'm Wynn Weber. I'm CEO of Winston Weber Associates. Uh, you probably don't know me because you're in your 40s. <laughs> so yeah. so uh, what I'd like to do is uh, let me understand what you do and what your issues are. And I'll share with you what we do and our issues and see where we have some things in common. And so the first thing I'm looking for is common dialogue. I love it. It's, it's great advice when it really is to find that common dialogue. I think you have a voracious appetite of curiosity for others. And, and you want to know about others because you want to learn from them. And, and again, you say you go into any conversation, you, you, you believe that you're the equal of the person that you're speaking with. That's a great way to start a conversation. And you both contribute. And in business, you're able to ask questions to find out what the needs of your potential clients are so that you can give them back a sequence of events uh, that they can follow to become better and what your company, WWA, is able to do for them to make them a better company. So it's really remarkable when, you know, last time I had the interview with you, I said to you, you know, I want to get you on the show one more time because there's a lot more questions I have to ask you. But now that I've interviewed you a second time, I'm going to tell you right now, I need to have you on a third time because there's so many more questions that I want to get to. I really want to get deep into this curiosity that you have and the way in which you've just been able to develop this, this, this mind of yours that not only has this, this very intellectual viewpoint, but also this emotional person-to-person -person viewpoint that you want to help people, you are curious about them, and you really, really are passionate about caring for others. It's a beautiful Beautiful winning combination. Uh, win. I well, want to thank know, you. For well, you, well, you know, it's a two way street. You know, I learn from them too. You know, I don't view myself as the brightest guy in the world. Everybody else's mind helps me continue to be, be ahead of the game. So it's a, it's a, it's a two way street. I love Very it. important. I love it. The two-way street with Win Weber, winning with Win, the legacy series. We've really covered so much, even going back to playing basketball, 
playing basketball against the Heisman Trophy winner from Syracuse all the way, you know, through, you know, uh, how you selected your your wife and the type of relationship that you have, what you would tell yourself as a younger person, some of the things that have made you uber successful, the way in which you approach your life, what gets you out of bed in the morning. And and for not only people in your family listening to this, but but entrepreneurs and other people listening to the show, there's so much to learn. And this has been absolutely amazing win. I wanted to thank you for coming on what I'm calling the Legacy Series now the first one called Winning with Win. This has been absolutely awesome. And Win, thank you so much for cutting out some valuable time with us today. This has been remarkable. Well, Frank, frankly, I have a great respect for you. I have a great respect for Dotcom Magazine. I frankly feel honored that you've chosen to spend some time with me. It's well worth all of the time I spend. And you can spend time with me whenever you want. 